Hi, and welcome to the Femme Factor podcast. We are your co-hosts, Dr. Laura and Dr. Nicole. This is a place for women just like you desiring to learn, be inspired, and find community. We'll be discussing everything from health, longevity, and aging, to mindset, high performance, and cycle syncing, to intuition and healing physically, emotionally, and spiritually. All from a lens that is based both upon the latest health research and feminine energetics. Blending equal parts scientific evidence and inner wisdom, we invite you to elevate your biology, empower your intuition, and embody your magic. Welcome back to the Femme Factor podcast. Laura and I are so honored to have our next guest, Emily June Wilcox. A few months ago, Laura had mentioned, wouldn't it be cool to bring on some guests who specialize in money mindset and things around abundance and scarcity and And Emily, you were the first person that came to my mind. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. I feel very honored that I was top of mind for you on this topic. (laughs) So can you tell us, you know, our our listeners range from entrepreneurs to C-level, C-suite level executives, but mostly women and, you know, always wanting to be able to be at the top of their game and yet not be so much on the in the grind and the hustle and the overwhelm and the burnout. And so can you tell us a little bit about your story? What got you into money mindset and abundance mindset and um, maybe some tips and tools? Like, yeah, we just love to hear badass women's stories and how they got to where they are now. Well, I totally relate to your audience. I I am an Enneagram three, which is the achiever. And so I sort of built my life around people pleasing and nailing the assignment. And so that worked really well in corporate America. And I think, you know, um, especially in the United States, like that's a culture that's that's very praised, right? Is like you please me, I'll give you pats on the back. Um, doesn't really matter what what you want or what your needs are. In fact, don't even explore those. Would be best not to. Um, and so I operated in that paradigm for a long time, um, pretty happily. Like you know, I don't want to make it sound like I was miserable. I didn't know any other way, and I found you know plenty of joy in that. And for me, motherhood was a total game changer. And I never thought that would be my story. Like. My mom was a working mom. Both of my sisters were working mothers. I never saw myself as a stay-at-home mom. And and so I just expected that I would take my maternity leave and then re-enter corporate America. I also, I was in um, sales. So I had a lot of autonomy as it was. I wasn't even working a 40-hour week. Like I thought that I had set myself up so perfectly for motherhood and it was the surprise of my lifetime to learn that in fact, I deeply desired to be home with my daughter. Um, I all of a sudden could just see through, uh, all of the expectations and goals that were being put on me and they didn't feel important anymore. And I would find myself on conference calls, just like rolling my eyes and could like barely get through them. 
And it's, so it was a real wake up call for me to start looking inward and understand like what this meant, because it was like, I felt myself withdrawing and checking out of one thing, but had to do a full exploration of what actually I did want. And for the first time, there was this opening and exploration of what I desired just for me and what I wanted and allowing that to be separate and independent of what other people thought and wanted for me. So I can keep going because that ultimately led me to entrepreneurship, but it took a minute. <laughs> yeah. And we we definitely want you to keep going. I think that's just such a powerful message for a lot of women out there who are thinking about becoming moms or who are new moms. And I imagine you kind of went through a little bit of maybe an identity crisis along the way. Like, wow, I did not think it was going to turn out this way, but talk about how it reframes what you really want, what your priorities are. And that's, that's kind of the beautiful thing about entrepreneurship is where we can kind of shift with us. So I imagine stepping into that from a corporate setting really let you create a business around that new priority of, Hey, I want to be home with my daughter. Like, I, I didn't think it, I didn't think this was going to be me, but this is like the most important thing to me. So yes, we would love for you to continue and kind of talk about how that experience led. I'm assuming you left corporate for good at that point and kind of joined the rest of us in the entrepreneurial world. So we'd love to kind of hear about that piece of it. Yeah. So I, I was the breadwinner in my family and it wasn't an option to just exit at that time. And actually my husband decided to leave his job right after I had our daughter kind of, I, I mean, I think he went through his own version of that. And when his bosses wanted him back and answering emails, like one day after her birth, he was like, no, this is, this is not great. But, um, so you know, we'll get into money wounds and, and all of that kind of stuff. But I definitely had a, a go it alone attitude when it came to money. Um, I had what in my methodology, I call a safe money wound. And so I really felt that there was a lot of pressure on me and that I needed to be in control of the money, needed to bring it in, you know, cue all of the wounded masculine energy. Um, and that I wasn't safe unless, you know, there was a steady stream and there was a fair bit of it and stuff. So, um, we, my husband and I started an e-commerce business as kind of a side hustle at that time. And it, it planted an important seed of entrepreneurship because all of a sudden when this re-entry into corporate America was, was so rocky, it was like, well, maybe this side thing could be the thing. And I knew it would take time. And so you know, if you, if you fast forward three years, um, we had sold a million dollars in e-commerce goods, which, you know, just to be super clear, cause I'm all about money transparency, that, that, that does not mean a million dollars into our personal bank account. Okay. That is gross income. We need to subtract the cost of goods, the advertising fees, um, the cost of maintaining a growing business where when you sell one item, you need to buy two more to keep up with growing demand and all of that. Um, so while we had attained a lot of success, it really still wasn't quite enough to feel like, I could quit my job and our household would be stable. But during that three years of staying in corporate America and kind of checking that box and being a good mama and then doing the, the nighttime hustle of this side business, my goal was when we have our second, 
I got to do it differently. Like I'm not going to have, I never imagined myself with like five kids. So I was like, the second is my chance, you know, like we're going to do it differently this time. So I'm, I'm pregnant with my son, Jude, and I knew that I would be leaving corporate America, but I still didn't totally know how, because the e-com business wasn't, didn't feel quite safe enough. Um, and so some of our mentors at the time said, Hey, you know, you've sold a million dollars of goods on Amazon. Everyone goes to you and, and thinks that you guys are the Amazon people and you're giving all this free advice. You realize there's a business model here, right? And we said, oh, no, we actually didn't. And so we started um, an Amazon marketing agency. And so, you know, between between the two businesses and a hope and a prayer and all the things, that was when I went full-time into entrepreneurship. So it was like two babies, two businesses. And, and I still brought so much of the masculine energy into those businesses. My husband and I very much had the mindset of we're a startup. Of course you hustle and grind. Of course you outwork your competition. Like this is the way that you get ahead. You invest everything in now and it pays off for you later. Um, which really fit my money wounding paradigm because I grew up in a household where money was the source of all arguments. And I really wanted to please my parents and I didn't want to cause conflict. And so what I learned was to try to just not want anything. Cause if I didn't want anything, then I didn't need money and I didn't have to ask my parents and I didn't have to potentially cause an argument. So I was the queen of delayed gratification. Like you could tell me I'm going to do something now and it's going to pay off on my deathbed. And I'd be like, great, let's do that because it actually felt more comfortable to me. And so I, I definitely took that path in the early years of entrepreneurship. And as I'm imagining both of you experienced to some degree, entrepreneurship brought up all kinds of wounding that I never could have anticipated, didn't imagine around my worth and what I could charge and what it meant when clients were unhappy and what my boundary was were and all of that kind of stuff. And um, it gave me the gift of doing all of the inner work and really getting to see all of that and feel all of it and start to heal it. Wow. I have so many questions and things to ask you about. Um, but first I have to say, like, thank goodness you're Enneagram three because you're dealing with two Enneagram sevens and we have no idea what delayed gratification means. <laughs> um, no. And we like, I'm not going to speak for Laura, but I always look to Enneagram threes, those high achievers with such admiration and respect because it just seems like so foreign to me. Not that I'm not a high achiever. Definitely. I have high achievements, but just that mentality and like at all costs, I'm going to get to this accomplishment. Like, oh, that just, it feels so good to me, but it also feels like, oh, that seems like not very much. Yeah. So um, I just have to really um, admire that about you. And what one other thing that I really love, well, I love so many things, but what that I want to bring up, because you said your side thing could be the thing, but it may take some time. And I think so many of us who do accomplish a lot and who um, have 
achieve certain levels in other areas of life come into entrepreneurship and maybe it's as a side thing, but we want it so badly to be the thing. And it's really hard. I've found anyways, personally to like understand that some things take time and it doesn't equal failure and it doesn't equal like you need to do something else completely a pivot or um you know just change a whole different direction and i i really appreciate that you i guess it's that delayed gratification that you're really good at you know that you were able to say hey i see the potential in this but also i'm not at this moment in the position with a young child, a husband who just left his job, being the breadwinner, like I'm not in that position right now to just say, forget all you guys in corporate, I'm headed out on my own. I mean, I do know there are some people like that and probably they would be Enneagram sevens and not Enneagram threes. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about maybe those feelings of not feeling and I don't want to put words into your mouth, but like maybe things would pop up where you said, you know, I should really just take this leap or what's wrong with me or why aren't I brave enough when actually you were respecting and honoring like where you were at and basically what your nervous system could handle at the moment, really. Yes. Side note, I love Enneagram sevens. One of my best friends is, and I, and my favorite thing is like, anything I ask her, anything I invite her to do, the answer is always yes. Yeah. And it's like, I just love the spontaneity. She brings so much fun and play into my life. So kudos, kudos to you. Um, yeah, you know, and I love that you brought up nervous system regulation because I didn't have that language at that time. And yet that is exactly what we're talking about. And I think it really gets misconstrued and it gets manipulated in the coaching industry where there's a lot of like leap in the net will appear or you're not all in on something. And it's like, look, I I knew like my higher self knew that if I had just left, if I had quit everything that felt safe when, when there was a mortgage, when there was a baby and all that kind of stuff, that that would not have been helpful to me. Okay. That would not have been good stress or good motivation that would have sent me into total survival mode, complete dysregulation. And I'm so glad I didn't do that to myself because honestly, even when I quit three years later, and had a, another income source lined up. And my husband was doing stuff too. It wasn't that he was stay at home, but he was also doing entrepreneurial things. So it didn't feel as safe or steady as, as I would have preferred. But I had a runway built up for myself. We had some savings and it still felt scary as hell. It was like one of the bravest things I ever did. And so I knew how far I could stretch myself. And, and I honored that. And I just don't believe that you're not all in unless it's your full-time gig. It's like sometimes the greatest gift that you can give yourself in your business is like time and spaciousness and the ability to 
serve and like be in the heart chakra and in the throat chakra and like not, not duking it out for your survival, but rather like being in your creativity and being in your service and not having to like have that turn into clients that are going to pay your bills in the next 30 days or else. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I, I don't like that narrative either that you're not all in unless you, you know, leave all of your former life behind and go all into coaching or entrepreneurship or whatever it is. Um, as someone who had the very opposite experience, meaning I had a, a set of life circumstances where I fell tripped into entrepreneurship after a really terrible divorce that brought with it a lot of money wounds. And I wish that I had still had a steady paying job when I was starting just to help with some of that stress to have, you know, to come into entrepreneurship and have the financial stress of starting off on top of money wounds coming from personal relationships. Like you want to talk about stressors that impact your health. It's not always the diet and the exercise. I, that was definitely an issue with myself. And I'm sure Nicole can say the same. A lot of women we work with at the top of their, you know, what are the top three stressors you're dealing with finances, money bills, regardless of what, you know, level of quote unquote success someone is at, it's always on the list. So it's yeah. such an important topic. And like, I, I love what you said, like, this is what I had to do to get to the point where it might've still been scary to leave the corporate job behind, but you were able to build up that little bit of a runway, a little bit of stability to make that transition a little bit easier so that I imagine you could show up much better because you weren't carrying that stress load and everything along with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it does give us the gift of like playing the long game in the sense as well, you know, like we haven't talked about my coaching practice yet, which came later, but you know, when I started the coaching business, I started my podcast pretty early on. And occasionally I'd get questions from people saying like, so does your podcast bring you clients? And my honest answer was like, I don't know. I don't know. Like probably. And also this is a long game thing. Okay. Like you don't start a podcast to like get 20 new clients next month, as you both know. And it's really over time where all of a sudden people will hire you and then they'll just mention in passing like, Oh, that one podcast you recorded, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, Oh, wow. Like they've been a long time listener. But I was able to do the things that really felt important and felt very on mission for me. And they didn't have to be the, the short game sprint strategies that would get a fast cash injection into my business. Because at that point, I had a, a seven-figure agency in addition to an e-commerce business. So I had other streams of income. And that was such a gift because my coaching practice got to be again, out of love and service and my sole purpose and my creativity. And I got to build it the way that I wanted to and do things that are longer term strategies. So can you tell us a little bit more about how your coaching is where it's at now? I don't want to say ended up because it's ever evolving like all of our um, businesses, but into money mindset and money wounds. And I'm so interested in this topic because, you know, you mentioned the patriarchy and, and society. And, and I feel like my money moons, run, money moons, <laughs> money wounds 
run deep, especially with like coming from immigrant families on both sides of my parents coming out of religious um, conditioning and purity culture and that whole thing with greed. And then on top of it, you know, being a woman, not being the one who should be making the money, again, coming from these like religious and immigrant backgrounds of like the place of a woman is at home, in the kitchen, having children, all of those things. And hopefully I'm not offending anyone saying that, but let's just be real. Like as a 48 year old woman right now, like that is what I grew up in being half Mexican and half Italian. Like that was my role or suggested role. I obviously didn't do either or any of that, but, but anyways, so yeah, could you just talk a little bit about these money wounds, your money wounds, how you were able to kind of take those and bring them into the forefront to heal. And then when you realize, oh, I can help others with this as well. Yeah. So I, I guess it was, it was at the end of 2020. So we had had two full years of running the agency and, um, my, my coaching business was very spirit led and that's a whole story in and of itself. But, um, I was guided to take six weeks away from being the CEO of our agency. And I very begrudgingly listened to that inner guidance. And I thought that I could feel that something wanted to be birthed. And I thought that it was going to be related to the agency. Like, and I thought after the six weeks, I was going to be just raring to go and come back and like have all these new ideas and whatever. And really what came through was the coaching business. And all of the ideas related to the agency were like, this is the person you need to promote into the ops manager role. And here's how you need to change the org chart basically to like get yourself the F out of there so that you can do this other thing. And so I sort of courageously followed step-by-step. And even when it became clear that I was meant to be coaching, I was like, okay, but on what? And I started getting clarity and it was money. And I had so much imposter syndrome around that because I, I always felt like money was the one thing I wasn't nailing. Now that may sound really silly to some people listening because, you know, I think both businesses looked pretty successful on paper, but the way that I felt with money is that money was always in charge. I was always kind of chasing it, that I was always trying to figure out how to do more with it and make more. And, and I, I never really felt like I did or that I could. And so, um, thankfully I was willing to listen and, and I was so curious about this, like, okay, what is all of this that's here? And what are the money things that I've noticed and, and started healing and what's there that maybe I haven't experienced, but other people do, because I know I'm not alone in really wishing that my relationship with money was different. And I think the only reason I felt somewhat alone with it was because people don't talk about it. And so that was one of the first things that that I decided to change was really having open and honest and transparent conversations around money. And that's why I started the podcast. Um, you know, I always felt like I, I grew up in before Zillow was a thing. And I remember, you know, when when like my parents' friends would buy a new house and in private conversations, I'd hear my parents kind of going, oh, I wonder what they paid for that. 
And it was like this curiosity. Everyone wants to know how much someone bought a house for, but you couldn't ask. And I feel like it, money still has that same energy around it. Like I was always curious when people would say what they did for a living in my head, I'd be going like, oh, I wonder how much they make, but I couldn't ask. And so I thought, you know, wouldn't it be so cool to have a venue where I can ask and we can also talk about what some of the money stuff was that happened behind the scenes to get them to that place. Um, and, and so I also was so inspired by the Enneagram. I really liked that tool at that time. And I thought, you know, the Enneagram in my view is really just taking our inner child wounding and sort of naming how that wounding turned into coping mechanisms and patterns. And I thought, I bet you there's something, there's something there with money too. And so I was like, I want to, I want to create that. And, and I just was in the inquiry of it. And then I really feel like it was co-created that it came to me. Um, and, and I also felt like, unlike the Enneagram where you say, I'm an Enneagram three, I was like, I don't want people to think they are their money shit because we are not, <laughs> it is just conditioning. And so then, so that terminology of money wounds, um, felt like the correct way of really describing it because we have a wound. We are not our wound and our wound can be healed. And there's a unique medicine for each wound. But when we walk around without a diagnosis, without understanding what the symptoms are, how it feels in our body, then we can think that it's us. And even just the fact of uh, the, the act of getting a diagnosis, even just the act of realizing, oh, that wasn't me. That was my hard money wound. That was my money trust wound. Like that wound was running the show when I made that decision really helps us take a meaningful step towards healing. And so that, that was how all the money work came about. And now thankfully it's been validated by working with hundreds of, um, women, mainly entrepreneurs, but also just people who want to change their relationship with money. And it's, it's really become more powerful and, and more true over time. I love that analogy around wounds. Wounds can be healed. You need to figure out what caused it. That's a very similar rhetoric to what Nicole and I use when it comes to health, you know, making sure, you know, don't define yourself. It's not your anxiety. You're not an anxious person. You're experiencing it. Let's figure out where it came from so we can work through that. Um, I would love if you could dive into what some of those money wounds look like, maybe some examples of them, like even if it's just the three that you find are the most common in women, because I'm sure I know for me, I'm like, Ooh, which one, which one have I had that might, might like had bad stitches that needs like a redo in the healing process or something. Um, so I would love to hear a couple of really common ones you see so that our listeners sure. can, you know, resonate with our listeners and they can figure out maybe where they need to focus on figuring out where it came from and how to heal it. Yeah. So I'll give a quick rundown of all six wounds and then you guys just pick one that we can sort of dive into and make an example around it. So, um, there's the money shame wound, which is like unworthiness. Like who am I to make this money? Oh, I don't know. I could never receive that. I could never charge that, um, evil money wound, you know, the root of the root of all all money is evil but also i'm going to risk my belonging if i get too rich or i'm going to have to go against my morals in order to make the 
time money that I want to make. Um, the hard money wound. So the hard, you know, the more money I want to make, the harder I'm going to have to work money, trust wound. Um, I don't trust myself with money. I don't feel like I can make these decisions. Um, and the disappearing money wound, which is a, a different flavor of that. Like I don't trust money. Money is abandoning me. Money is always leaving me. Um, and then the safe money wound, which is I'm not safe unless I have this much money or until I have this much money. I, I feel like I have all of them, but I think that one <laughs> standing out most for me. And then Laura, you know, pipe in is probably the first one around shame and um, worthiness. I think especially being in the service industry and health and wellness, um, you know, a lot of times we think, well, we should be helping people, you know, for a very low charge or maybe not charging at all. Um, I think that's really common for a lot of women in general. Yeah, I, it's a great point. And I, and I will say having run a product-based business first, I didn't feel the money shame wound. It wasn't until I switched into a service-based industry where all of a sudden I kind of felt like the product. And if, if someone said no, it really felt deeply like a rejection of me personally. Um, but I also had a lot more of like undercharging and undervaluing. And the other way that the money shame wound really shows up, especially for women, is once we receive the money, really switching into some major wounded masculine energy of over delivering and just feeling like, oh, oh my God, someone just paid me two grand. Like I need to give them my firstborn child. I need to like... Like it is not enough to just stick within the scope of work and provide the transformation that they've agreed to. And I'm not going to be okay until I know that they're so beyond satisfied with my service. That's all worthiness stuff. And it's a major repellent of money. So one of the reasons that when we work on healing money wounds, that it calls in so much more wealth is because there's a lot of money that just hangs out in our vortex, but we don't let it come all the way in. And we don't do that because of these different wounds that are protecting us from these various things, right? And so it's like, if if the truth in my body is that when I receive a $20,000 payment, it feels good and exciting for about three seconds. And then it immediately feels like this heavy burden, there is divine protection in place to make sure that that is not happening to me 50 times a day, right? And so when we can heal that and make that feel safe and normal and like we are we are worthy of it, of course we receive it, of, you know, there's a wonderful transformation that's also gonna happen for the client and it just feels clean and it feels more like business instead of, meaning anything about us personally, then more money can flow in. That is so good. I, similar to Nicole, feel like I have a variety of those wounds. <laughs> and that's so normal. Like usually we're going to feel really resonant with maybe three out of the six. Yeah. 
maybe a sprinkle with one or two more. And then usually there's like one that's not at all. Like usually you either have a safe money wound or you have a disappearing money wound and not both because either you're hoarding money or you're just trying to spend it like as fast as it comes in. Um, but then I usually find that your partner has the other one. So <laughs> you're, you're familiar with it. A whole other set of dynamics to consider. Yes. <laughs> uh, gosh, I, I feel like a sidebar, I feel like we should do a follow-up episode and like bring guests on and have like have you coached them through their money wounds? That would be like, such, you, you're just so talented at walking us That'd through what so these fun. mean. That would be so much fun. <laughs> I, selfishly, I want to do that myself right now, but I really want to focus on what you're up to and how you're helping women with this. So in your coaching business now, when women come to you, are they even aware they have a money wound or are they kind of like, I know something's off with my relationship with money and you're guiding them through that. And like, I guess I'm kind of curious, what kind of things are you doing to help them with that? Is it like a mindset based action exercise based, like as much as you can yeah. share? Yeah, it's a great question. And and it really depends. So I, first of all, I do have a free quiz for diagnosing your money wounds and it's at moneywoundsquiz.com. So I definitely get a lot of women coming to me that are like, I've already taken your quiz and here's my top money wound. Sometimes they're already in money wound medicine, which is my signature program for, you know, permanently healing those money wounds. Um, and other times, you know, it, it's, it's not as clear cut. But what women do know is that they want to feel differently with money. And thankfully, we're in such a plugged in world that we all have at least a few examples where we notice something in someone else. And it's like there is more of a free and easy energy with money. And we want that because we feel more constricted. Or maybe we notice they seem to have like a more safe energy with money, like they really trust it and they're able to stack it. And, and we want that. And so, um, so yeah, women come to me for that. And, and many of my clients are very high achieving women and they've, they've had points in their lives where, you know, they've been making six or multi six figures often in corporate America. And now they're running their own business and they're doing pretty well, but they're kind of in that just enough land and they really desire to be an overflow but they also are wise enough now to say my old ways of doing things that would allow me to make more money are not self-honoring. Like I want to see my husband. I want to see my kids. I didn't get into entrepreneurship to do all the things that I hate and work a zillion hours. So how do I put this together? How do I have a great life and be in financial overflow at the same time? And, and then, you know, you kind of asked about some of the tools for that. And I really believe it is kind of at the intersection of, of spirituality and strategy. Like there's, there's an energetic based approach and really changing the way that, you know, money feels in our body. Um, and then there is strategy as well. And, you know, it's not just journal out affirmations every day about how much money you want to make. Like we also need people seeing our stuff and a percentage of those people converting into buyers. Like that's just fact, but there are ways to do it that don't feel so old school, so old paradigm. So like the patriarchy, you know, 
<laughs> and so we we kind of embody that feminine way and get more connected to, you know, what would be their most fun and playful way to welcome in new clients? And can we build up some belief that that's actually possible for them, that it can feel more effortless and more fun and that money can flow to them in those ways? Mm, you're speaking our language. I feel like Somehow, Laura, you and I invite people onto the podcast that always bring in this intersection of strategy with spirituality or strategy with magic or strategy with the intangible juiciness, if you will, of, of life. And because that's how, what we, that's basically the basis of our philosophy at Fem Factor is like, it's both. It's the science and the magic, you know, it's the hard strategy data systems and the flow fun, um, you know, just, I'm, you can't see me, but my body is just like moving in such a nice way. Um, and so, yeah, thank you so much for bringing those two things together in a topic of money, which is, scary and can or can be scary and it's elusive and it's stigmatized and no one wants to talk about it like you said and so your work in this area is so needed and we're just so thankful that there's women like you out there willing to like open up your doors and say come have a seat at this table and let's unveil all the shit that is has been covered up that's keeping you from really experiencing your best life um and so yeah thank you so much so we learned a little bit about your program is there any way else how people can connect with you i mean we'll have all the links in the show notes below um, but is there anything new and exciting at the moment or, you know, yeah, just how can people reach out and connect with you in the best way? Yeah. Thank you so much for the, the invite to share that I'm on most social media platforms at M makes money or Emily June Wilcox. So you can find me there. Um, my podcast is great. If, if you're, if you want to hear more behind the scenes about money and people's money mindset, it's, it's a great place to go. And I have a awesome mix of guests. So it's not like you're only hearing from the gazillionaires who healed their money shit like 25 years ago and are like, you know what up on this pedestal um because i just don't believe in that you know it's like let's be honest let's be real like so many people's quote unquote dirty little secret is like my business isn't making as much money as i want it to or my business is crushing it and i feel like there's no place that i can say that without sounding like i'm bragging or without putting someone else down so that's a great place to plug in, connect. The Money Wins Quiz is a great free resource. Um, and then, yeah, just come hang out on socials and you'll see what's happening in my world. Hey, we will definitely link those below, including the quiz. I would like to take that myself just to get some clear answers on my own. Um, actually, yeah. two more questions for you before we yeah. get to our final question. So I, I really just, I would like to know your thoughts on if there's like one action, one self-exercise women can do to just start to like get their feet wet with examining their relationship with money. Like I've heard some people say, take yourself on a money date somewhere outside of your house once a month, make a thing of it to make it more comfortable. You know, is there anything that you could suggest if people are listening and they're like, 
I am not even sure what my relationship with money is because I've like avoided even going there. Like what's one little way that they can just start getting curious about that um, on their way to being prepared to take action, to heal that, to heal that wound, to figure out what it is. Yeah. So I would say, uh, go talk to someone about money that you don't normally talk to about it. Mm. And what will happen is that you probably had a visceral reaction just hearing that. (laughs) And it probably felt like a contraction. (laughs) And that's where you want to get curious. So it's like, okay, if I imagine and sharing my, my money stuff with this person, what comes up? What am I scared of? And then it's like, ding, ding, ding. You're going to have a whole page full of stuff that helps you just look at your money story and all of the thoughts and feelings that have been floating around inside of you that have gone largely unexamined because you've never had a conversation like that. So if you're brave enough, actually have the conversation. If that feels like a crazy bridge too far, just practice the hypothetical and you'll come up with so many things that you can journal out on and start to look at. I love that. Such a good tip. I mean, I don't love that as an Enneagram seven because I generally want to avoid discomfort, but it's probably just what I and many others needed to hear. So thank you for that. We love, we love action steps. And our, my other question is our, our last question for you that we ask every guest, which is if you could go back to a younger version of yourself, whether it's like little baby Emily or Emily, when you were just becoming a mom or even Emily a week ago, like what's one piece of advice you'd really like to impart to her? You are doing so well. And I love you so, 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 so much. (laughs) You're, you're building a life beyond your wildest dreams and it's all happening and you're just keep going. That's so beautiful. Ah, I feel like I just need to record that as a clip and listen to it every time I wake up and every time I go to sleep. It's like your new alarm in the morning. (laughs) Inner child stuff always makes me so emotional, like in a really good way, but it's like, I just love her so much. And every version of me, even when she was like doing things I wouldn't do now, like, look how brave she was. Like, look at her doing her best. And I just want to, I just feel like so, so proud and like honoring that version of myself, you know? Well, Emily, we just want to thank you so much for being with us today, for sharing your knowledge and your story. I know it's going to help so many people, especially once they go take that quiz and get into your world. And um, yeah, like Laura said, maybe we'll be able to have you on again and go into the other stories that we didn't have as much time today to go into. But thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you so much. This podcast is for general information and educational purposes only. It should not be considered medical advice and or treatment. Although we are both doctors, we are not medical doctors or your medical doctor. What has been discussed should not take the place of your personal medical professional's advice, treatment, diagnosis, or care. If you love this podcast as much as we do, please take the time to subscribe, share, rate, and review. And we'd love if you would follow us over on Instagram 
our handles are at dr.lauradecessoris and at Dr. Nicole Marcioni, or you can just click on the links in our show notes.